You're listening to a Mint podcast brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi everyone, this is Shovik and welcome to the Mint Techetra podcast. I cover technology for Mint where we try to make boring tech sound cool for you and hope that we don't end up making cool tech sound boring. Tune in as we decode the latest from the world of technology in India and around the world every week. This episode is hosted by Prasad Banerjee. Over to you Prasad. Thanks a lot Shavi. About a month ago an Indian startup called River started delivering electric scooters to its customers. Now their EVs you may have seen on the news or online they look somewhat different from regular electric scooters and they're manufactured in Karnataka. Now even before the company puts things in motion in its plants it actually models them in a three-dimensional virtual environment. They create what is called a virtual twin of their products using the 3D experience platform from Dassault Systems. According to River, doing this has improved cost efficiency and helped them scale up from 2 users to 84 in just 2 years. They use the platform to rework fabrication and simplify the overall product lifecycle process for the company. But River is not the only one. It is actually among the latest in a whole host of small and large companies and even governments that are depending on virtual twins to increase factory efficiency, design more sustainable products and do other things. While River does it for EVs in India, in Switzerland, the EPFL racing team actually designs racing cars using this platform. Now virtual twins came into the conversation in the last couple of years for most of us. But why is everyone suddenly depending on these virtual twins? That's what we'll ask of Deepak Anji, the managing director, and Renuka Srinivasan, who's the sales director at Simulia India at Dassault Systems India, and they've both joined us for this episode. Thank you both for joining us on this episode. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Hey, hi, Prasad. Hi. So let me start right at the top right I know last couple of years laymen like us have been hearing about virtual twins digital twins and all of that mostly post pandemic but this technology is not exactly come up in the last couple of years right that's our systems has been working on it for much longer I mean you're absolutely right uh, Prasad Uh, Dassault Systems has been engaged and working with uh, some of our key clients on this technology for some time quite now quite some time now um, as you rightly highlighted pandemic might have actually helped to expedite certain things but Dassault Systems has been one of the first to work with virtual technologies so the 3D experience platform itself was actually launched in the year 2012 even prior to that uh, our uh, applications Uh, the CAD applications, the simulation applications were widely used for digital works. So mm-hmm. now, based on uh, 3D experience platform, obviously post-pandemic we saw a trend changing. Particularly when we talk about uh, uh, India, if I have to restrict within India, right? So in pandemic, uh, most of them have realized the importance of uh, digitalization. While doing so, it's also helped most of the customers to think beyond their regular traditional work which is more spending time towards research and development uh, innovation sustainability so these things have actually enhanced the usage of this technology so net net yes uh, uh, the virtual twin is not new but post pandemic and prior to pandemic uh, how it was and how it is now has actually increased a bit 
So why virtual twins? Are these sort of like, you know, we have heard of AI, we have last over the last decade, we have talked about analytics, AI and all these other technologies. Has all of this sort of led us to what we are calling virtual twins today? Uh, in a way, I should say yes. In a way, I should say yes. It's indeed a culmination of technology advancement. But if you look at uh, uh, traditionally what it used, like, you know, there were many applications and there are many applications even now also. So this, uh, the digital era is not something which is new, right? Most of the organizations started with basic uh, uh, usage of digital technology, maybe to design some of their 3D models, sometimes even for their quick interactions, whether it can be as simple as an email or any other form of communication which they used to have. So these things are obviously being used for many, many years. But over a period of time, uh, what you might have seen is like, you know, the technology advancement, the technology advancement started to happen at each application level. I mean, the CAD application itself started to grow, started to kind of like, you know, provide more and more uh, insights on how those applications can actually help for their business processes. Now, in that context, it is becoming really, really important that we go to the next level. So, for example, if you talk about digital twins, the digital twins were the 3D representations of physical objects or the yeah. systems which actually uh, can help them to simulate some of the use cases, particularly associated to a part or a component. Now, with virtual twin, it's next level. This is something which actually help the real simulations in terms of assessing the entire complex environments. When I say it's as simple as that, the technology sometimes was used for actually validating a product. Now, there was a question on what equipments and what machines or what toolings were involved to do that. And there is one more element of how it was made and then who are all involved and then how it is getting consumed. So if I have to elaborate a bit, the equipments is nothing but the machine or a shop floor or a line, what you talk about. And then how it is made is nothing but the process in which you involve, whether what type of material you use, what type of sustainability factors you are considering. Then who are all involved is nothing but your value network, whether it is a research center or your suppliers or the policymakers. And finally, how it is consumed. Consumed is nothing but your consumers. Now, if you have to have all these data points to help your business processes and simulate and see for the best results, obviously, the virtual twin technology will help. For example, whatever I just spoke about, right? All these things can be captured, definitely leveraging the data analytics part, AI and everything. And using 3D experience platform, you can simulate these aspects. Like for the first part, what I said, right? Equipments, we can call it as asset twin. How it is made, we can call it as process twin. And then obviously the execution part is nothing but operations twin. So that means uh, the innovation is not restricted to a new product or a new idea which has been kind of inserted to create a product. It's more of how the innovation is happening at each stage. If I have to optimize my assembly line, that itself actually help you to leave less carbon footprint, save money. So that can be validated, that can be visualized and simulated using virtual twin. And, and and that's how like, you know, virtual twin experiences offer a range of benefits. So it's not only uh, just helping with respect to time, but boosting productivity, product quality, and also reducing errors. And more importantly, you'll have a single source of truth for that. So what I'm hearing here is that, you know, the overall use cases have just increased massively. And I'm guessing that's what has 
sort of led you to create the 3D Experience Forum as well. We're having the 17th edition this year. Is that how it goes? No, I mean, you're absolutely right. The overall use cases have increased. As I said earlier also, uh, it's not only with respect to product development. Uh, uh, it's not only restricted to innovation at product development, right? The innovation can happen at multiple places, whether during the process, during assembly, during uh, supplier interactions, optimization, so a lot. So that means the use cases have increased. And why it is increased? Uh, because the demand and the requests are also like that. For example, if I have to go back uh, earlier days when uh, somebody wanted to buy a car or a two-wheeler, right? Uh, what as a consumer, they used to look at uh, how strong or how sturdy my vehicle is going to be. Then gradually they started to talk about uh, while I have a sturdy vehicle, is it economical? Is it mm. going to help me with consuming less fuel and also shell out less from my pocket? Then the next level which pitched in was, do I am I getting a right experience from this? So the, st the style, the behavior, the look. So everything started coming in. So when these three elements were met and with the current trend, most of the consumers are also looking at, while I have a sturdy vehicle, which is economical, and also I'm getting great experience, yeah. what kind of uh, what kind of sustainable element which is going to come up? That is nothing but what's the purpose? It's purpose-driven, like, you know, am I contributing back to the society? For example, am I living less carbon footprint? So that's the reason you started to see more electric vehicles, the new new mobility, shared mobility. So these are things which are pitching in. So when you have these kind of challenging situations and which has to be continuous in terms of improvement, obviously the use cases will increase. And to simulate those use cases, uh, virtual twin technology, is something which is actually helping them to simulate much before even it actually gets into the manufacturing or the real world. Now, with all that, obviously the 3D experience from the 17th edition, uh, you're going to see a lot on that. It's going to be a game changer showing how uh, 3D experience virtual twin technology can be leveraged for sustainability. And also it shows how virtual twin experiences can bridge the gap between digital and the real worlds. So this is something which is very, very important and we see a lot uh, happening in that hmm. and yeah i mean speaking from experience any new technology uh technologies that sound new at least to laymen like us uh it's very important to sort of see real world examples on ground right and now that we're doing it you know next month we have the india edition what do we expect from the india edition of the 3d experience forum i i mean i'll have to just uh, add a bit before even actually talk about the india edition uh, how India as a country is actually moving ahead. So you might, I mean, as we all know that we are on the right path when it comes to uh, the economy, when it comes to the new product development happening across, the new innovation happening. This is giving a strong feeler that uh, we are not just a country or mere just country which is going to just follow what it was developed and then being used by other countries. Now, most of our own customers here in India started to kind of think differently in terms of uh, spending more on their research and development. So mm -hmm. when we have these kind of examples, obviously in the forum, we are going to see a lot of use cases associated to that. A lot of presentations, interactions, meetings associated to how some of our key customers are leveraging this 3D experience technology. Now at Dassault Systems, I, if I have to tell you, we cater uh, three key major sectors, uh, which is uh, manufacturing, infrastructure, and life sciences. 
so these three sectors where uh, we see a lot happening and uh, we believe in this 3d experience forum some of our customers were actually showcasing the technology not only related to only design and validation but how the value network is getting connected to an extent how the data analytics can be leveraged and then uh, work in line with what 3d experience can offer for their better decision making so these mm-hmm. some of the these are some of the things which has been kind of uh, uh, showcased there not to stop now today it, it's becoming a startup world right and we can see a lots happening in that field so people are coming out with new innovative ideas best of the best ideas are coming up with some young guys who are actually spending time to see how they can actually contribute not only uh, just a new product development but as i said the sustainability element uh, the the competitive stuff so everything put together there are there are a lot happening on that and we've been fortunate to contribute and support startups as well we do see some action in and around startups and obviously uh, this 3d experience forum will touch more and more on the sustainability part because as you said right it's it's equally important what's new what's new in the sense it may not be new for dasso systems but most of our customers are now trying to leverage this technology to support their sustainability goals so when they have uh, when it's 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 equally important that uh, we showcase how it can actually contribute to their esg to their sustainability goals which is going to help them so these are some of the things which has which will be showcased during 3d experience forum got it i i think we should bring in renuka here quickly uh, some of the 3d experience platforms use cases are in life sciences and surgical equipment and i remember a few years back i saw companies you know dabbling in holograms of human hearts and other organs things like that is that a role that virtual twins play in say life sciences and healthcare and things like that no um i think um you know i'm glad you could remember what we had discussed some time back um i think in the time between then and now um technology has advanced and what we are able to do is a lot more so we are very excited about what we can do with virtual twins mm. of humans um like you spoke about with certain startups like for instance lucid implants we are able to take care of things like personalized medical care or personalized medical devices um you know typically implants which are used for instance in india are things which might have been designed for a different physiology and then those get fitted into people but today with the technology that's available with virtual twins uh, and with the help of um things like additive manufacturing or 3d printing as perhaps it's more commonly known it is possible to take maybe a scan of a particular individual um do some level of studies design and simulation and then create a personalized device within a short time frame um meeting all the safety and regulatory requirements um I, and i think this is where um we certainly see for example if i take the example of lucid implants a startup which works on um you know which works with patients who might need to have jaw recon- uh, reconstruction because of perhaps accident or certain health issues which have 
uh, cause problems with their jaw. And rather than having a one size fits all uh, jaw, they are able to kind of automate the entire process where they're able to scan the person, bring that data into the 3D experience platform, you know, create uh, uh, and design a jaw implant which would meet that particular patient uh, then check it for all the perhaps um, you know safety and uh, operational loads that they need to look into then use maybe 3d printing technology to print not just the jaw but also any kind of uh, specialized or per- personalized uh, surgical devices and tools that they might need for the uh, surgery itself and then, you know, uh, go forward to the surgery. So there's a lot of pre-surgical planning as well as personalization that can take place. And I think this is one thing which perhaps we spoke about in the past, but which we see as um, reality being done um, today. So Mm. I think this is one example perhaps of uh, virtual twins being used in life sciences. Mm. Um, The other part Um, You, for instance, spoke about, you know, organs. So certainly uh, the living heart, which is, um, you know, uh, adult male human heart that we had created a virtual um, creation of on the platform is something which has, again, um, had a lot of advances. Uh, Many of our partners who work on the living heart have been utilizing it for um, different kinds of applications, whether you're looking at medical devices like putting maybe pacemaker, pacemaker leads into it, using it for educational cases, or even, for instance, if I take um, the example of Boston um, Health, uh, they are actually looking at it with respect to the pediatric heart and using the living heart for maybe preoperative surgical studies, you know, pre pre-operation looking at the study of what could be the options during surgery. Um, So we are seeing an impact of these virtual twins where, again, you take a living heart, maybe morph it to the technology, you know, to the, uh, to how the patient's heart is, and then do your studies of how you might actually um, look at the surgery and study your options for surgery. This is one aspect that we certainly see people doing. And between then and now, we've advanced not just to living heart, but uh, since then we've seen um, the brain project taking off extensively. People very interested in creating the brain, which is fairly complex. Um, and of course, other areas getting um, uh, other organs, for instance, interest in maybe lungs, interest in skin. Um, these are other uh, areas of organs where we see research going on both within our organization and with many of the uh, clients and partners that we actually work with. Um, And in areas like, for instance, if I take the example of the Living Brain Project, um, in India, we have Nimhans, which I think needs no introduction for the excellent work that they're doing in our country. Um, But um, one of the things that they deal with is schizophrenic patients who perhaps are not responding to regular treatment, which is available in the hospitals today. And so they get these patients referred to them. And one of the things that they have been doing, for instance, is studies of uh, a transcranial direct current treatment that they apply, where they put external electrodes and then apply, you know, little uh, direct waves to the brain 
um, but it needs to be at certain locations of the brain and they are able to use some of this technology to understand uh, you know and simulate how those waves will impact the correct location in the brain and the maybe the degree at which it needs to be given um this is something that they are able to study um using um technology like what we have on our 3D experience platform um so this is another area where we see a lot of interest with virtual twins with respect to organs mm. but it's not just about you know um the organs itself it's also about i would say two different aspects one is the research and um process the mm. trial process and ultimately of course the manufacturing if you're looking at pharma mm. so if you take you know the importance of um and the amount of regulatory oversight very rightly so into the whole drug discovery process what we have with for instance our license to cure um industry process experience is the opportunity to help these companies create a complete electronic record of their r&d uh, process of their manufacturing and quality control labs um and this really helps both in collaboration eliminating any kind of data silos they have but also serves as a record for later when they are uh, getting into certain regulatory related paperwork for instance um and so in india um itka labs for instance uses our one lab industry solution um to overall improve the way their laboratory operational um excellence is and this is another example of the way that um you know uh, virtual twins can actually help mm-hmm. um, in addition to this you know and i spoke a little bit about the drug discovery i've spoken about medical devices but of course ultimately anything that goes out to the field goes through very rigorous clinical trial um and this can of course uh, very you know make or break uh, the drug before it goes out and we have with our medidata clinical uh, cloud supported over 25000 trials um and this depth of knowledge that we have of um you know the trials it helps create solutions to make the patient experience better for any kind of patient who tra- who shows up to do these clinical trials it helps in um designing it helps people in designing their study itself and it also helps of course again in trying to um analyze the data that you get out of this kind of clinical trial that you might take uh, mm-hmm. undertake and therefore you know these kind of cloud solutions um we have with our metadata ai allowing for clinical trial data on a unified platform um mm-hmm. tied up with advanced analytics um to make it easier and accelerate the insights that might come out of the data which is gathered um so this is another area that we see a lot of interest in uh, especially you know with the time that it takes to bring any of these kind of solutions to the market uh, when there are so many patients who perhaps are in need of these kind of drugs yeah yeah you know uh, you you mentioned like the 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 metadata you know the clinical cloud you mentioned ai and uh, you know deepak had also just mentioned how sort of virtual twins are a culmination of a bunch of technologies that we've been talking about over the past decade right ai 
uh, mm-hmm. you know, analytics and so on. And I'm, I would assume that in life sciences, given that there is um, so much of, uh, you know, different aspects involved, there's policy, there is, you know, various patient data, hospitals, there are, I mean, so many stakeholders and so many different use cases. I would assume, like, it's a very good case study of how it is an evolution, right? How virtual twins are an evolution of everything that we've been talking about over the decade. And I was wondering if you would take us through that with these examples as well. Uh, sure. No, what you say is very true. And I will take um, maybe um, examples or talk about two things. Like you said about AI and um, ML, um, a lot of um, looking at the data which is collected. I mean, uh, today with the kind of sensors, with the kind of, uh, you know, IoT devices we have, with the fact that patients could have wearable devices which monitor their health, uh, various aspects of their health um, all the time, there's a lot of data that will come back. And it's just not possible for a human to really evaluate and look through those. And this is really where AI ML um, could play a part, right, in reviewing this kind of big data that might come back from, say, patient-specific behavior. Um, Mm. That could be one area. But the other, for instance, is if you take um, just the amount of diagnosis that needs to be done, and a lot of this is maybe image-based diagnosis, and I think that is an area where we certainly see a lot of machine learning, where most um, of the time you could train them Um, You could train an AI to take a look at, you know, for instance, a lot of what we saw during COVID, where somebody looks at maybe a lung scan and is able to identify or detect that this person um, may be on a borderline for having COVID. So can we take a look because it is able to scan through a variety of x-rays or variety of other scans and then flag those which are clear, those which perhaps are uh, negative, you know, positive and is able to go through a vast quantity much, much faster than perhaps a human could. And in many cases, perhaps more accurately, though that still, you know, depends upon the training and the actual algorithms. But this is one area that we also see a lot of machine learning taking place with respect to diagnostics. Um, And um, like I spoke earlier, with respect to the actual uh, research based on the patient data that you get back. That's AIM. You were talking about, you know, um, even the testing. So one of the things that, for instance, happens is um, if you take um, today any kind of test, a lot of times is done on human bodies. Um, And one of the ideas we have with these kind of virtual human organs is that a lot of that testing could perhaps be done on those virtual Uh, cohorts. So today, if you wanted to have, say, a cardiovascular device put in, you would perhaps have to test it on patients, but you also need a variety of patients, right? Patients of different um, sizes, different ages, uh, genders. And then you need to understand how your device works in all these different cases. And Mm -hmm. that is why these trials are expensive, both in time, but also in, you know, cost. Um, And what we are actually in the process of doing along with uh, the FDA in the U.S. is part of a five-year study where we're trying to see for one particular area, at least, some of these kind of living, the living heart organ can, uh, the living heart itself can be used to do this virtual testing um, of a cohort. 
and see how that compares with what we're seeing physically and whether in future then in silico clinical trials can be used uh, as long and you know that is sufficient to prove the safety and efficacy of the device which has been tested in silico so of course this is new area this is you know fairly groundbreaking um, we're in the midst of that process but to us this helps um, you know bring you know devices faster and we're very excited about this kind of work that we are doing um with the US Food and Drug Administration hmm you know while we are on the subject of ai there is uh, i mean with ai there is an expectation of also finding new things right and when it comes to things like clinical trials drug discoveries a uh, lot of our goals are to find things that we don't know there's a lot of unknown right uh, so i'm i'm curious how technology is fitting here you know uh, how are we sort of finding new things or you know where are we really leveraging this kind of technology no thank you and i think that's a very interesting question we spoke about ai from other angles like you know diagnosis but it's very very effective also to look at ai from how it's transforming the entire drug discovery process um so what yeah. we've really found is you know um for instance we have something called the uh, generative theory therapeutics design uh, which is a cloud based solution and what this basically allows is of course collaboration between people um in multiple locations but you can actually it learns from these real experiences and then it explores the space so perhaps it will be able to virtually screen multiple compounds um that could you know uh, end up being used for the dis- uh, the drug itself so it's able to explore these candidate compounds um using certain machine learning models and at the same time some structure based modeling and simulation methods so these kind of uh, optimization algorithms are built into um the ai technology to allow the team to basically generate rate uh, several compounds and then explore them and understand what would uh, lead to you know a better um, solution and so this is what ends up um, actually happening promising approaches um, include things like pharmacophore scoring molecular docking and other areas with yeah. biovia we've had over 20 years of experience in supporting scientists in using some of these methods and we have now put in some of that uh, knowledge and learning into the generative design solutions that we actually bring to the market and with these kind of things what we're seeing is um you know the drug discovery process itself takes a very very long time and with ai ml you can actually actually accelerate the time that it takes to discover new drugs um as you could perhaps see during covid when you know a vaccine coming to the market so soon um was something in itself um quite a wonder hmm got it just to clarify when you say you know generative design processes or uh, you know this kind of ai are we talking about what we understand as generative ai or does it differ in this case so typically when we use the word generative design uh, what it means is rather than perhaps a human putting it in it is a science based generation of design um 
uh, options design alternatives um and so that's what we actually mean by when we do. so it is a science based uh, approach to looking at designs so that's what we're using here for generative design just to add to what uh, renuka said i want to bring a different element also uh, showcasing how Uh, the technology is leveraged across the sectors also like you heard renuka talking about uh, life sciences i just want to add one more element to it some of the technology uh, through our virtual twin uh, 3d experience platform we have been seeing uh, a, a real ga- good use cases across across the sectors for example uh we have solutions like uh, uh solutions for life sciences where it's been meant for their material discovery sorry uh, the drug discovery and then go deep into the molecular level and then actually simulate and see we have seen these technology being used in the manufacturing for example again uh, most of the most of our clients are looking at new material new way whether it can be like you know done in a conventional way or whether it can be done 3d printed if it can be 3d printed can i change my material properties which is more sustainable so when these kind of r&d or research and development happening we started to leverage our technology across the solutions which was used for life sciences being very well leveraged by uh, uh, manufacturing companies and the other way around most of the solutions which was actually leveraged heavily by aerospace and automotive customers particularly in the manufacturing execution system and uh, logistics these things can be extended to our life science customers also i just wanted to add a bit on what renuka said no that's interesting and i i mean i i think that's what it tells us right that uh it this is all sort of going towards the future of computing we we Uh, we keep hearing you know how quantum computers will come and we will sort of discover new chemicals new drugs which in turn will help us you know discover new drugs and so on and uh, you know on that note let me ask you what is sort of the future that you see with virtual twins where does all of this lead us eventually uh i should say the journey has started because the end goals are clear Uh, clear in terms of uh, what as an organization uh, each company wants to achieve because uh, as i said uh, it's it's not a regular conventional way of like you know building your products right so there has to be a continuous continuous research and development should happen like today we may be talking about uh, ev electric vehicles for example and, and down the line we may talk about uh, uh, the hydrogen and similarly when we are talking about an alternate fuel you have a entire ecosystem to be changed right it's not going to be the same set of suppliers or even if the same set of suppliers are working they need to change they need to uh, adapt to the new way of working so when we see all these things i should say the journey has started the reason because you have to be on the toes to innovate continuously it is not something which is actually done for a year and then okay my my product will run for next 10 years you take i mean we talk about uh, many many such projects right today i don't think even a cell phones has become uh, uh, a quick equipment which can be changed every year right i mean nobody used to think when we had landlines like you know if you get a landline it was there forever but now cell phones the advancements and similarly many other products so the changes are happening so fast because the demand and the consumer request is actually increasing day by day so that will definitely lead most of the oems to think on how they want to be prepared for that that's the reason i said when you want to be like that you can't 
start your product development or you can't you can't have the same life cycle of your new product development so i mean I, if i have to talk about uh, there used to be a time where 24 to 28 months uh, a company used to take to come out with a new variant of a vehicle or if if i talk about aerospace industry you know that the timeline the entire product development cycle is like you know very very large and even for that matter a smallest of the smallest component or smallest of the smallest product also used to take some time there was a defined timeline now how mm-hmm. do i cut short how do i do multitasking how do i simulate or how do i look like you know what kind of products i need to launch for 2025 2026 in future so these are the things which most of the companies are looking ahead in this obviously it's equally important to simulate virtually validate and be ready with that so this virtual twin technology as i said it's not only just helping them to build a robust product but also it tells them that hey look i am manufacturing a product with this current line and next two years i am seeing a demand but post that i want to change my product to totally different one so in that case can i simulate and see how the plant layout the current plant layout can actually help me to produce the new product which i am talking about what kind of changes i need to make so these are these are the elements which people started to simulate well in advance now that means yes in future we are going to see more and more adoption of this no matter whether it is at msme level or a oem level or a tier 1 tier 2 supplier because everybody wants to work together and we have been seeing a new new trend which is already started and it's going to be important it's going it's going to make a massive change in future is all connecting your entire value network so that the mm-hmm. uh, customers want their suppliers to be connected they know that they are going to supply products on time for their assembly but they also want to know that and in their initial r&d phase is their suppliers are ready with right components which they can actually give them for doing right simulation so that means like you know your entire value network has to be connected when we talk about suppliers it's fine now the next one i said startups most of the oems today support lot of startups so they have to be on a platform where they can start seeing their value addition to their new product development similarly academic institutions and not to forget the policy policy makers the government may come up with many many such rules and regulations right how do you track how do you monitor that how do you associate to your product so that it's very easy to track and trace so these are the things which uh, which is going to be very key and the technology is actually looking at so this this is a shift actually and then obviously i don't have to repeat but uh, uh, it, it's very important the shift towards technology is driving towards uh, uh, cloud and sustainability right so keeping these two things uh, definitely there is a, there is a big big future for virtual twin technology yeah yeah <laughs> i mean you know as as i know that as people who deal with technology every day we are supposed to be reasonable and uh, there's sort of you know a very clear future path to this but it's also sometimes very difficult to not imagine what we see in science fiction when you hear about technologies like this where entire factories and cars and all are being modeled uh but on that note i i know you are also strapped for time so this has been a very very interesting discussion deepak and renuka thanks for joining us thank you prasad pleasure thank you no thank you thanks for the questions as well so there you have it for the longest time virtual twins have been considered a thing of science fiction in fact movies like avengers show superheroes like iron man using them to craft advanced technologies already is that where we are headed 
that's what we will keep talking about we'll find out more in the next episode where we talk about their use cases in manufacturing and other things this episode was brought to you by dassault systems and we'll keep talking to them in the ones to come so that's that for this episode we really hope that you enjoyed what we discussed and if you have suggestions in terms of what more we can cover as part of our podcast do let us know you can catch me at distant vicinity on twitter and at shovikdas on instagram thank you so much see you next time to stay updated on this podcast follow us at hd smartcast on all the major social media platforms To listen to more such podcasts log on to www.hdsmartcast.com